five four three two and one we are live motherfuckers what's up guys it's good to be back fuck yeah hella good to be back all right ladies and gentlemen episode 138 of the g meeker mma show it is tuesday february 20th 2018 president's day hope you guys had a good president's day i, was, I don't know why i wrote down on the on the on the list president's day recap i didn't do shit for president's day I mean, I went to Santa Cruz with my family and stuff and hanged out all day, but I didn't do anything that was real eventful for President's Day. That's all I basically did. But anyways, guys, it's good to be back, and we've got a great show lined up for today, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Have your pajamas on. Do whatever you need to do to sit back and relax, and we'll not waste any time starting our show off today. So obviously, we're here to talk about fights, and we've got a couple of fight nights that we still got to talk about, so... That's what that's what today is going to be all about. Obviously, UFC Austin just recapped. Uh, just happened. Well, obviously, just, yeah, recap. We're going to recap UFC Austin that just happened. Donald Cerrone was victorious against Yancey Medeiros by first round TKO. Literally, like two minutes left in the first round, and Donald Cerrone emerges victorious. Donald Cerrone snaps a three-fight losing streak. His first, uh, his three first, I think first three-fight losing streak of his entire career. He lost to Jorge Masvidal by TKO, and I believe uh, Darren Till and uh, Robbie Lawler. So it was a string of three like consecutive losses, and I didn't want to see him go for a fourth because it just felt weird. Because you know Donald Cerrone is one of those guys that we're just gonna get it right into it. We're gonna talk about UFC 221 and and. Obviously, recap Yoel Romero's performance over Luke Rockhold, what's next, and, and potential matchup with Robert Whitaker, as well as previewing later this weekend, if you guys didn't know, UFC returns again. UFC Fight Night Emmett versus Stevens. we got a great fucking fight card. Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens versus Josh Emmett. Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres. Olven St. Pru versus Alir Latifi. And my favorite one of the night, Max Perry. Max! Griffin versus Mike Perry. Mike Perry versus Max Griffin. Mike, Max Griffin, that's funny. Hennon Burrell versus Brian Kelleher, too. And um, like I said, a potential rematch with Robert Whitaker for Yoel Romero. So like I said, it's just a, re a relaxed, chill day, chill show. It's always a chill show when I'm here. So like I said, guys, sit back and relax. But um, for Donald Cerrone, like I, as I was saying, is that Donald Cerrone, for me, Personally, I felt that he did fight a lot, and he's like, oh, I'll fight on every single fight card if I could every fucking weekend. But after a while, I feel that that definitely does take a toll on your body and your mind and everything, your training camps, as well as money. Like, I mean, you get paid for it, but damn, it's just like, it was just, he was fighting all these times. I know, now, now, it's not like, I'm not saying that he, he got a three-fight losing streak from wanting to take every single fight that he was offered. It's just a, it's just a matter of the people he's fighting. He's fighting some good-ass people. He fought some good-ass people, and... And you got to think, like, you know, you got to question, you know, it's not just him fighting. Oh, yeah, he can show up and fight any, every single time, but it's just a matter of what he puts into every single fight. So we don't know if he was 100% confident and and um, motivated through every single one of those three fights. You know, the Jorge Monsi don't fight. You know, the one that I noticed it a lot was probably the Darren Till fight. If you watch the Darren Till fight, it, it, it seemed as if he wasn't as motivated as he usually is. He wasn't as fired up about it. it that's just my opinion. Like I don't, I don't know completely what goes on or anything like that. I don't really like. You know, you could never know what goes on in these guys' minds unless they actually speak it to you. 
But that was one of the, if there anything had to be questionable about how he was performing and how motivated he was, I was, I personally have to relate back to that Darren Till fight. So, like I said, Dennis Roney returns to the winning column and he's victorious once again at 170 pounds. It's just a thing like, I mean, he, he's one of, like I said, I said this a few weeks ago, he's one of those few people that could fight at a higher weight class well, as well as a lower weight class. As in what I'm referring to for people that don't know, new new listeners and anything, 155 pounds is where he normally competes at, and he's had most of his success at 155 pounds. So Donald is one of the rare people that can move up a weight class, 155 to 170. I know that's a big gap, but a lot of these guys walk around normally probably like 170-something, maybe 180, who knows, but, you know, he's one of those few people that could fight at a weight, another weight class and be very successful. Not, you know, you know, a lot of people question it after, uh, you know, had a couple losses in a row and they had a third loss in a row. And maybe people are just thinking maybe this isn't the type of weight class for them. And just the thing, like, as time goes by and as these guys get older, Cerrone's 34 years old. So, you know, the weight cutting doesn't get as easy. Get, get, it doesn't get any easier. To, it doesn't get any easier as you get older unless you're an expert weight cutter. But for Cerrone, I feel that later on in his career, a potential move to 170, depending on the weight cut, if he can still make the weight cut later on in his in his fighting years, like I still feel like he has a lot left. He's he's still a fan favorite. He's still doing good. He's not he's not looking shitty. He's not deteriorating. There's there's no signs that Donald Cerrone needs to stop fighting. There's no signs at all that he needs to look at a different career path. It's just a mental game. The fight game is a mental game because you can show up on your worst. You can think it's like you, you it's your worst training camp. Okay, it could be your worst training camp. You could have the worst fight of your life, and and it's a mental thing. You could show up, you can have all the skills, but when it comes to perform, it's like it's it's not the it's 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 an off night. So I feel that a lot of that has to do with off nights for any of these fighters, not just Cerrone, but just any of these fighters. But anyways, I really did enjoy the the sportsmanship that Yancey and Donald had. I think Donald tagged Yancey with like a straight left or something. I, I forgot what exactly what punch it was, but he did knock Medeiros down, and Medeiros got back up, and they both high fived and hugged before the fight. They high fived and hugged at the pre the day before the weigh ins. He Yancey brought a cowboy a cowboy hat, and he showed a lot of respect. And one of the best, uh, one of my most favorite parts of this whole fight night had to be the ending. Uh, not 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 saying that in a bad way. It was a great fight night. It was a great fight card. But um, like the ending when when Cerrone like pointed at his grandma then and then Yancey went over there and gave his respects paid his respects because if you guys know if anyone else knows Donald Cerrone that his his grandmother does mean everything to him and she shows up to every single one of the fights that he goes and roots and she's in the first row and stuff so so uh it was pretty uh it was pretty uh it was pretty touching though you know that was one of the most respectful moments that I've probably possibly ever seen inside the octagon that that's that's one of the that was that's that's the things that's what the sports made for respect and respect each other afterwards before I mean you guys are gonna fight each other but you still got to show some respect at least at, at some point in time but so it was beautiful to see that where Cerrone goes from here hearing from Cerrone personally at his not personally I wish <laughs> I mean hearing from Cerrone like him personally saying it, he said it but he would like a, a match with Habib Habib Nurmagomedov. That, that fight was supposed to happen a while back, but if that fight could happen now in the future, that would be a lot better, I think.
I mean, it's a good fight. It's just the fact that this whole thing is log jammed. At 155 pounds, it's log jammed. I mean, you got all the great contenders. You got, I don't know what the fuck's happening with Connor or anything like that, but you got Tony about to take on Habib for the undisputed lightweight title. We don't have any clear word on what's going on with McGregor. And Habib's about to fight Tony, so I don't know who Habib could fight next. Maybe Donald Cerrone could wait and fight the winner. If if Habib wins, then Donald could fight Habib. It's just the fact that first, I mean, this is always awesome. I love hearing about people wanting to have their next fights, but in reality, you got to look at the matchup. You got to look at the crazy landscape the UFC is bringing right now, and. For them, there's a lot of people, you know, Cerrone's coming back to 155 pounds. He said he wants his next fight to be at 155 pounds. It's a logjam in that motherfucker right now. And for him, I feel that, you know, coming off of three losses in a row at 170 pounds, I don't know how the ranking system is at 155 pounds. I don't know if he is going to be ranked. He was ranked in the top 10 when he was at 155 pounds, and he's looked fucking amazing. He's had all his best battles in the WEC, in the UFC, and his most success at 170, 155 pounds. So um, for me, I feel that, you know, you know, the whole 170 pounds thing is a new thing for him. It's a new thing for fight fans as well. And it's like, hmm, interesting. How is he going to do at this weight class? And he ends up looking fucking fantastic, main eventing. I mean, Cerrone has main evented so many fucking fight cards, and he sells them out every single time, at least in my opinion, at least personally for the fans. He gives it a great experience. So, you know, what's next for him? I, I'd like to see him take on Habib Nurmagomedov, if possible. If not, someone else. And I can't currently think of any names. There isn't any names that I can marquee think of for Cerrone to take on but anybody that Cerrone takes on he always brings it he he always he always shows that he still got it you know obviously it was a it was a tough fight you know Yancey Yancey's not a tough customer for anybody Yancey has a heart and 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 the steel steel a heart of a lion and he never gives up I mean if you've seen that fight with uh I think it was Francisco Trinaldo he was in bad 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 trouble throughout that whole entire fight in my opinion you know he had some success but he did have a lot, he was in a lot of trouble. I mean, I mean, he, he felt like this complete heart of a line, like, and that's not just a fight with Cerrone. Well, he wasn't really badly, it was only like a first round fight, so we weren't really able to see that. I'm not, now, I'm not saying every single fight I want to see him just survive or anything like that, but I'm saying the display, the heart, the will, the determination, the willingness to stay in the fight, no matter what he went through with the fight with Trinaldo. I hope it's Trinaldo, because I know it's Trinaldo. It's a power, it's someone who's a huge power puncher at 155, and he just hung in there for the whole time, and, and he lost via unanimous decision, but he did show a lot of heart and a lot of courage to stay in there in a fight when a lot of people would normally have probably quit or, or try to find a way out of that. Like, out of out of the fight. And Yancey's not one of those guys. You know, he's a cool-ass dude. He's a real-ass dude. Obviously, Hawaiian fighters bring heart, spirit, and, and, and passion to their support of mixed martial arts. And they're very proud people. And they're very, you know, very loyal people. And, and you know, he said something about the whole thing about the family. He explained why he went over to Cerrone's grandmother and said the family's first. And she pointed at him. And, and you know, they embraced. And that was one of the most, like I said, that was one of the best, most touching things of that. All right. Speaking of Tran Francisco Trinaldo, 
James Vick defeated Francisco Trinaldo by unanimous decision almost perfectly. I think it was like 30, was it like 30-27 or something? I, I didn't look at the official scorecards, but about James Vick. James Vick is one of my favorite underrated guys. That is the underrated guy of the year. I mean, you look how long James Vick is. James Vick is lengthy. He, he, he's very tall for the weight class. He, I, I originally thought he fought at 170 pounds, and hence he could probably possibly fight at 170 pounds. I mean, he's so tall. He's so length. He's so lengthy. He's so rangy, and he has beautiful striking. Like the striking is just—it's absolutely perfect. Like I mean, it's perfect. Obviously, he has one loss, but you know, no one's perfect in the game. But definitely did look spectacular. Like he looked beautiful. I'm not no, I'm like that. Nothing bad like that. I mean, not in a, in a creepy way or anything. But his striking is just on 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 point every single time. He's a very talented kickboxer. He has so much experience in and in, in striking and, and kickboxing that you know he's he, he's he's the guy to look for. And he said that there's a few guys that has turned him down. And honestly, there's nothing but bigger things from James Vick. But I. I I enjoy his creativity, his movement, how he's in and out, how he's able to cut these perfect angles, how he's able to, you know, throw all these beautiful head kicks. I think it was one point in time he threw like a turning side kick to the face or something. I think he posted it on his Instagram, but James Vick is my under underrated guy of the year and this is my favorite guy to look out for in 2018. So where he goes next, I don't know. Maybe a top five, top ten guy. I don't know if James Vick is currently in the top ten. I haven't looked at the rankings. The rankings get updated every Monday, but I don't. I didn't. I didn't look. I mean, I mean, he could. He deserves it definitely. His his one loss was to Benil Darius, and Benil Darius is no slouch. I mean, that's one guy. So if you had to lose, lose against him. And ever since then, he hasn't he hasn't lost. So he's looked good. He looked great. Great win for James Vick. And now on to the co-main event. The co-main event was also a great fight. Derek Lewis returned against Marcin Tibura, delivering a third round, <coughs> delivering a third round knockout. He delivered a third round knockout over Marcin Tibura, and he said some interesting things on the post-fight interview as well. If you guys remember. Now Derek, now Derek Lewis, he he he's been he's been that way. He he's always been like a very interesting person, like outside of the cage. I mean, if you look at his social media, if you look at his his post-fight interviews, his interviews. I mean, he literally said on air on Fox, on Fox Sports One, that he's gonna go deep inside his wife. He's like, hey baby, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be. I'm going deep inside you tonight. And saying that on fucking air, he said what he said on air, I was just like, oh my God. I mean, it was blurred out. The UFC had like a, an edited version of his post-fight interview. Because at first I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then I look at the, the actual post-fight interview and... I was like, wow, that's fucking <laughs> Derek Lewis. I mean, he's in notorious for trolling Ronda Rousey, notorious for um, being notorious for like, you know, obviously, I don't know, having like a crush on Ronda Rousey or something like that. And the whole thing with Travis Brown and, and that whole that whole thing, like just that whole entire thing. Him with Travis Brown, him knocking out Travis Brown, Travis Brown responding to him on social media. Derek Lewis is an inter interesting, uh, interesting character, and he is one of the more entertaining, if not the most entertaining guy at heavyweight. 
I mean, Stipe is cool and all. He's the baddest man on the planet. But when it comes to a guy like Derek Lewis, that's my guy to go to. Like every time Derek Lewis is on MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, every time Derek Lewis is on a podcast. I mean, I feel like the only podcast that he really shines on the best has to be Ariel's show. So, so like I said, Derek Lewis d delivered third round TKO knockout, beautiful, you know, beautiful placement on that last punch. I feel if you see the uh, the replay and he delivered that last punch he delivered before Tybura completely fell down was probably the best punch of the of the entire fight probably the hardest one so congrats to Derek Lewis and for when it comes to what's next for Derek Lewis I'd like to personally see me personally this is a, this is not a fight for the fans this isn't a fight for anyone else but a potential fight just a fight like Fabrizio Verdum he was set to fight Fabrizio Verdum he was originally scheduled to face off with Verdum. Derek Lewis pulled out with like a, a injury or a back injury or something. So Verdum fought like Tybuer. I think Ver Verdum's just saved a day so many fucking times. It's hard to keep track on with who, which, with who, who Verdum fights and, and when he fights and stuff. But um, Derek Lewis and Fabricio Verdum, that's a fight to do. Because Fabricio Verdum defeated Marcin Tybuer by unanimous decision. Derek Lewis knocks him out in the third round. He knocks him out in the third round, and, and he looks good doing it. So overall, I think that's an interesting fight to see. I think that's the next fight to see if Verdum is successful over Volkov. We know we have the whole thing with Stipe and, and, and Daniel Cormier right now, so we don't have any other clear-cut number one contender. Or, I forgot about this, it was at the tip of my tongue, a date with Francis Ngannou. That's the fight. These two have been chopping at each other for like the longest time. So, Derek Lewis victorious now he's not coming off a loss so i mean both the guys are coming off of a loss now so it, it, versus win and wins and losses if you want to compare that you wouldn't match up a guy with a who's who won his last fight versus a guy who's lost his last fight but that's invalid now it's all about the styles it's all about the matchups and it's all about what everyone wants to see so Derek lewis versus um versus either Francis Ngannou or Derek Lewis versus Fabricio Verdum. That's the fights I want to see and no other fights for him. Unless unless they can come up with a legitimate fight that I really want to see. But other than that, I want to see Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis, or Francis Ngannou, or, or Derek Lewis versus Fabricio Verdum. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're moving on. Um, back a couple weeks to UFC 221. It was a great fight night. It was a great great fight card. Um, Jimmy Smith, I think Jimmy Smith debuted on um, on UFC 220. No, he was on the Fox desk. That's where he originally started. And for people that don't know who Jimmy Smith is, he's a color commentator, formerly for Bellator, and he's done some PBC kickboxing or so, but now he is a color commentator for the UFC. So he's went from the second best organization, Bellator MMA. He's made his move to the UFC. That's something that we've been waiting for I didn't even know it was gonna happen all of a sudden when I seen that Jamie Smith was a was a, a free agent and he was no longer with Bellator I was like oh he's got to go to the UFC and he appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast and um, he moved he, he appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast and they talked about him potentially making the move to the UFC and obviously you know they talk about it and you know it's like it's, it hasn't been announced but it was originally it was officially announced that Jimmy Smith would join the UFC as a color commentator and, and doing everything he did in Bellator in the UFC and now it's it's an honor to have Jimmy Smith here in the UFC because we have all the best fucking people. I mean, obviously Bellator has some great commentators as well, but we got a lot of the fan favorite people in the UFC. I mean, if you love every single one else that's not in the UFC or anything like that, you can go watch the other organizations. Like, I openly watch Bellator. I openly watch UFC. Those are the only two organizations that I necessarily watch.
Those are the only ones I watch personally. So it's good to have Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith, like I was going back to what I was saying about USC 221. Jimmy Smith made his, I think it's like his um, play-by-play debut on um, UFC 221. And also highlighted Yoel Romero defeating Luke Rockhold by third round TKO or knockout, whatever it was. You know, he landed that first punch and then boom, the second punch he threw was like one of the hardest punches ever. That I, arguably, that first punch was, would, be, would be the first punch to knock him out. He didn't knock him out though. With that, I mean, the first punch he just dropped him, and you know, Luke, you know, he, he, Romero didn't hold on. He he went in there and he finished the job, and he got the job done by by third round TKO. Unfortunately for Romero, he wasn't able to win a UFC title, have a belt around his waist due to the fact that he missed weight. I think he's like 187.7 pounds, and the championship weight for any any championship fight is 185 pounds or less, and he missed out on the opportunity. So for those who didn't know. Had Romero made weight, he would have been able to win the interim UFC middleweight title and, and secured his official spot to fight the UFC middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker. So in this contest, only Luke Rockhold was able to, you know, if he had won, he would have been able to grab the middleweight title and uh, interim middleweight title and had a potential date with Robert Whitaker once Robert Whitaker was able to make his return. So Yoel Romero did it again. He did it again. And he looked fantastic doing it. There's this unique thing about Yoel Romero that I love to watch. I mean, everyone says it, it's all the same. But Yoel Romero has this ability to be calm and relax and, and explode. He explodes. I mean, if you look at like his last three, four wins, have all been in the third round. And I just noticed that. I just thought about that right now. The Luke Rockhold fight, he ended in the third round. I mean, he's usually, he's had, you know, he, he's notorious for finishing fights in the third round. So Romero is a third round monster. I mean, his ability to be calm and collected and so relaxed. And, you know, you may get a couple shots in on Romero and stuff because he's so relaxed. He's conserving his energy and he's saving all his energy for one big moment. I mean, once he catches you, I mean, the way he caught Rockhold, he didn't give him any chance to fucking recover. He just, he just jumped in and he got the job done. I mean, that looked like a fucking uppercut. From the freaking ground, he, he threw like a, a lunging uppercut, and bam, that shit was what really knocked Luke Rockhold out. And I think I, that hit him pretty good to the point where Luke didn't know where he was, and then he got up and did his traditional, you know, go up to him, and he said he loves you. And I think he gave him a kiss on the lips, too, but Luke Luke was out. He didn't know where he was, and, and he was just disappointed. I mean... I mean, when you're concussed like that, you don't know where you are. It takes a few minutes for everything to settle in. You may not remember what happened for a lot of people that have never... I've never been concussed. I've never been knocked out before. I keep planning to keep it that way. But, um... So it's just like a you lose your your brain shuts off. So when people say lights out, literally, it's lights out for your brain until your brain is able to gain consciousness again, which could be a few seconds, could be a minute or so, or maybe 30 seconds or so. So... Obviously, it's unfortunate for Luke. You know, I hate seeing Luke lose. Luke's one of my favorites. Luke is one of the best middleweights in the world, I feel like. And on any given day, he could have beaten Romero. And and and, and Luke won the first the first uh, the first round. I mean, I feel like Luke was winning. And, you know, it's a thing that Luke was a far more superior athlete. He was, oh, not superior athlete. I mean, obviously, look at the fucking genetics of Yoel Romero. But Luke was a more superior fighter, more decorated fighter, more experienced fighter. He's fought a lot of the best guys. He's been in a lot of championship fights, championship rounds. And he's one of the best ever. It's just, uh, I mean, anybody that Yoel Romero hits is going to knock, get knocked the fuck out, basically. I mean, hence Robert Whitaker. But... All Luke's losses in his career have been by TKO or knockout. I mean, the Vitor fight, the spinning back kick from freaking hell from TRT, Hulk Vitor would knock anybody out. Um, 
the Michael Bisping fight, he didn't take really seriously. You know, he, he, he let his guard down. He wasn't respecting Bisping, and Bisping caught him. And, you know, uh, that was his last fight before returning to fight David Branch, and he smashed David Branch. And then after David Branch, he fights Yoel Romero, and now, and now, um, now he has a setback. You know, for him, I think it's some time off. He did come back, and he beat, obviously, beat, David Branch, and now he's lost to Yoel Romero. But after a knockout like that, that's that's. I mean, it's not necessarily the fact that it's a it's a knockout or anything. It's just the fact that you know I feel like it's better for him to take some time off and and not really you know not come back too soon because we've seen what happens when people come back too soon. And obviously he he was out for a very long time, and now that he's back. I mean, it's good to have Luke back, though. That's the thing. Like I said, I hate seeing him lose. I hate seeing anyone at AKA lose. Formerly at AKA, he's no longer at the American Kickboxing Academy. But I do hate to see Luke lose. And you know, it's a personal, it's personal ties, personal touches. Like certain fighters make you feel a certain way. You enjoy certain fighters. You like watching them. It depends on the amount of time that you've been following them for. However long you've been following them for, and and, and it's it's like a connection. You got a connection with the sport, and I don't plan on losing that connection anytime soon. So, congrats to Yoel Romero, and I do feel that he did secure a shot at Robert Whitaker. That's the thing. He secured a shot at Robert Whitaker with the win. Who else is going to fight Robert Whitaker? I mean, Chris Weidman did throw in something saying like, um, he's the only guy in the top five that hasn't fought for the title. For the that's what that against Whitaker. Everyone else has fought for the title already. Chris is the only guy coming off of a win fighting for the title. I mean, for those who didn't know, Yoel Romero was coming off of a loss to current middleweight champion Robert Whitaker. Now, like I said, Robert, that makes Robert Whitaker a, a, such a special person. That's what makes him so special, because Robert was like the only guy that could beat Yoel. I mean, he didn't beat him like 100% convincingly. He beat him in the way that he needed to beat him. And um, basically, um, Robert had a blown out knee in the first round from like, I think, a, a crazy kick from Romero. I don't know if he went into that fight. It was like a teak kick, the, ki the kicks to the knee, the John Jones type kicks. So... He does that. He has his blown out knee, and he stopped his takedowns. He stopped, I think he stopped all of his takedowns with a blown out knee. I mean, there is no quit in Robert Whitaker, and he still came back, and he still won. Unanimous decision. It was a close fight. It was a good fight. You know, Romero was more along the lines of being a little bit tired. No, I don't know if Romero knew that his knee was out or anything. And personally, for Romero, I'd feel like he would target the knee. Romero's a very de intelligent and very smart fighter. He studies opponents. He doesn't take anyone lightly. And he's a very creative and very respectful and very, really, really nice guy. So Romero is one of the nicest guys, but one of the, one of the meanest and freakiest guys inside the octagon. So, you know, for Romero, like I said... He definitely did secure his shot with Robert Whitaker, in my opinion. I mean, unless unless they do Chris Weidman versus Robert Whitaker, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be um, what it is disappointed in that. But um, I mean, I would like to see Romero versus Whitaker, two at least the second one. I mean, just just because the fact is that they haven't fought they. That they, I mean, Weidman, I mean, they fought before, and that was his only loss. Now, I don't know if they want to give him a title fight right away, or if they want to possibly look at Chris Weidman. I mean, he is coming off of a win, and, you know, obviously was three-fight losing streak before that, but here's the thing about the three-fight losing streak before we continue. Um, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this for the past three days, and I was thinking, you know, Chris Weidman 
was one of the best middleweights of all time. He's still is considered one of the best middleweights of all time, in my personal opinion. It's just that, I mean, Joe said it best on that on last, that his first his fight with Rockhold, he threw that spinning back kick, and it was a close fight. It was a fun fight. I enjoyed that fight. I'd love to see a rematch with those two. And, um, and it was just, uh, you know, Stu had spinning back kick and Luke just got on him, was unloading ground and pound on him, and Chris had no answer. He was just bewildered by the top game of Luke, and Luke was just able to, to bewilder him and hurt him bad due to the vicious ground and pound. Like, you know, he, he, he had over like a hundred unanswered strike. He was just covering up, and the end of the, end of the round came, and then it was just more of the same in the second round, and, and then the fight was stopped. And then after that, he comes back. He went. In my opinion, he was winning up until the flying knee happened. He was fight, he fought Yolo Romero in New York City, and he was winning on the scorecards. And third round, Yolo Romero launches a Cuban missile out of his knee and knocks Luke, uh, knocks um, Chris Weidman out cold. I mean, he just throws a flying knee and knocks him out. Like he just drops him with the flying knee, Cuban missile from hell. So he basically just, you know. Yoel Romero has that ability. That's like I was saying. I was saying that exact thing. He has that ability to possibly lose rounds, and you have ability to look good against Romero, but we don't fucking know what he has in his tank. He he he, he comes at you from the weirdest. He comes at you from like the weirdest points. Like he 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 has bursts that nobody is ready for. He does all these things that we aren't ready for. He, he can be losing a couple rounds, come back and win. It's not necessarily that he's winning. He possibly could be conserving his energy and stuff. And, and from that point on, you know, he did what he needed to do. He knocked Weidman out and he timed the knee perfectly because Weidman was faking the takedowns, faking the shots, and happened to be doing it at a time that Romero, and he timed it perfectly and amassed with the third round knockout. It was a third round it was a vicious knee, man. It, Chris Weidman's freaking head was gushing. So, so from Chris Weidman, from that one, all right, we go on to the Gegard Mousasi fight. And unfortunately for Chris in that fight with Gegard, it was an unfortunate placement of knees. It was a weird fucking replay. It was a weird. It was a weird position to be in. And instead of continuing the fight, I think Chris was able to fight. He was able to continue. He was fine. And I think he wanted to continue. It was a. It was a good fight. It was a close fight. He was winning. He was winning. I think he was winning. I felt like he was winning. He was winning a lot of that with the wrestling. He used the, Chris has some of the best wrestling, and in his last fight, he showed the wrestling of of the, showed his wrestling game. He has some of the best wrestling, some of the most beautiful takedowns that I've ever seen in, in MMA. You know, MMA wrestling and just his overall top game, his pressure, how he's able to how he's able to be heavy on top, and and you know. He reverted back to his wrestling. He used his wrestling as dominance to defeat Kelvin Gaslam and potentially amassed with an arm triangle choke submission victory. So he has all the tools. He can submit you. He can knock you out and uh, can beat you anyway. So like I said, for Chris, it was just an unfortunate thing. Okay, he does a spinning back kick and he loses that way to Rockhold. Okay, that was only you know convincing loss, but I mean, I mean, I mean that was like the most brutal. That was probably the brutal, most brutalist loss. Like it wasn't even content, considered a loss in my opinion to Gegard. It, it was unfortunate the fact that they stopped the fight. I was like, what the fuck's going on? This whole illegal placement of the knees, the whole rules, the whole rule changes in in, in the sport that they have, the commissions have, is um is different. So you know we don't we did I don't. 
it's an unfortunate thing because I wanted to see that fight continue because I feel like he did have some some good success in those fights. So his Romero fight and his Gegard Mousasi fight, I feel like he had tremendous success. He had tremendous serious tremendous success and uh and um with him having that success like he just he, it's like a split second in, in in the world of mixed martial arts it's a split second in any fight in anything you do a split second well not anything you do but in in, in the mma world a split second can can a split second can can cost your whole fucking life your whole fucking life. Not your whole fucking life, but I'm being dramatic, but it can cost you the whole fight. Oh, a split second. I mean, Jose got knocked out in 13 seconds. So, anything can happen. Like, literally, literally, anything can happen. You can be losing the whole fight. I mean, look at the perfect example of Darren Elkins. He came back, and he knocked out Mursad Bektik in the third round after being brutalized for two and a half rounds. He came back in the third round. He, he amassed this huge amount of punishment, he, he, and, and it, was, it was brutal. And he came back, and he knocked out Mursad Bektik. I didn't even know that was going to happen. I was like, oh, my God. Darren Elkins came back, and anything happened in this sport. That's a proof. So for Weidman, I feel like his last, his two out of his three losses were kind of like fucking... It's just, you know, not lucky. It's just the fact that that happened so quickly with the Romero fight. And the, in the third round, obviously, he was winning those first two and a half rounds. Obviously, two and, two and a half rounds up until Romero launched that Cuban missile from his knee and knocked him out. And, um, you know, came back, fought Gaslam, looked good. And now it's just a potential what's next for him. What's next for Chris Weidman? I'd like to see him personally fight Robert Whitaker if they don't go with Yoel Romero. All right, moving on. Um, oh, yeah, like fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward to like this weekend. UFC returns, like I said. Josh Emmett takes on Jeremy Stevens in the main event. Jessica Andrade returns against Tisha Torres. Man, that's a good fight. I, I love that fight. Um, Ovin St. Preux versus Alir Latifi. Mike Perry versus Max Griffin. And Hennon Brown versus Brian Keller. Those are my fights to talk about. But the main event is an excellent one. I do enjoy it. Jeremy Stevens just came off a great main event win over Duho Choi. Maybe like a couple, maybe like not even a couple months ago. But he looked good. He looked great. So now he's back. Took another main event. And against a very dangerous guy, you know, but not relatively unknown. I mean, people know who Josh Emmett is. Obviously, he's from Team Alpha Male. He made his UFC de debut. Maybe I don't remember like exactly that when he made his debut, but he did. He made his debut, and ever since, like he, he, I'd say for profile high, highest profile win has to be his last fight. His last fight had to be his, had to be the most high profile with a knockout of Ricardo Lamas in the first round. The way that he did it, there was. There wasn't anything like that for him. So he looked absolutely fantastic, and he looked phenomenal. So he's main event worthy. Let's see what he's got. Let's see if he can hang with a very dangerous guy like Jeremy Stevens. Now, he did take that fight on short notice, too, with the Ricardo Lamas. I think. Did he, ta did he take that fight on short notice? I think he did. I think he missed weight, too. Not only did he did he did he take that fight on short notice, he missed weight. So that's a trend. Ariel was saying that the other day. It's a tr that's becoming an odd trend. Romero missed weight, defeated Luke Rockhold. Josh Emmett missed weight, knocked out Ricardo Lamas. Uh, I think it was I forgot this other dude. He he beat um the dude the beat that just beat Desmond Green was like freaking like pound was like he was like freaking like a one hundred seventy pounder when he fought Desmond Green. But um he missed weight and he defeated Desmond Green. So. 
that's that's an odd trend. That's really definitely an odd trend. So, okay, Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres. Jessica Andrade brings this crazy fucking chaotic speed. Like the way that she comes forward, she just always coming forward like a vicious pit bull, and she doesn't fucking stop. She keeps moving. She keeps going forward. She keeps moving forward viciously, attacking. She's like a female John Lineker, basically. She's a female John Lineker, and she's looked phenomenal. She I mean she had a, a valiant effort against former champion Yuan and Young Jacek at strawweight. I mean, but other, other other than that, she's looked absolutely phenomenal. She's like a she's like a, a vicious, reckless pit bull that comes forward and just doesn't stop. I mean, obviously she's she, she's very very talented. She's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. She. So obviously, she's looked phenomenal at strawweight since she's been at strawweight, formerly fighting at 135 pounds. She's a very small, a very tiny woman. So for her, fighting at 135 pounds, she had some success, but just the, the size and everything just didn't add up for her. So the best move for her, I felt, was to move down to 115 pounds, which she's looked absolutely phenomenal. So she's looked absolutely phenomenal, like I said. And she's taken on Tisha Torres, who's also very talented and also one of the top top fighters in the division is just the pressure of Andrade. The pressure of Andrade is the thing. Pressure fighters are the worst fighters to prepare uh, to fight if you're not prepared. If you're not prepared for a f pressure fighter, you're going to have a bad night. And I don't give a fuck who you are, unless you're a lucky motherfucker. Other than that, you're, you're not going to have a good night. I mean, uh... Like, you know, just the pressure of her, the way she comes forward, she just she just does not stop. She just keeps moving. She keeps moving forward. She's vicious. She has vicious counterattacks. She has she has power in her hands and obviously she has she has huge power. I feel like she has she has amassed a huge amount of punching power. She has a huge amount. Like I mean she's not necessarily flatlining people, but she is definitely like uh definitely carries a lot of power in her punches and she is very strong she's very 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 strong so she can outmass out muscle and out out outpace and out just out everything with everyone that's how good she is she has this it she has a potential championship mentality and she she has a hard style to have to come up against so that's what's in store for tisha torres i'm just curious to see if tisha can withstand that crazy pressure that Andrade brings it's just a crazy phonetic pace that doesn't stop she just does not stop for the whole 15 or 25 minutes she's just constantly coming forward constantly coming forward and she doesn't stop and now on to the 205 pound division Olven St. Prue returns after a beautiful knockout over Court Anderson it was like a head kick knockout I mean, I think the head kick knockouts are probably the one of the more entertaining ones, depending on which ones, which what happens, the way that it happens. But the head kick knockout of Corey Anderson was beautiful. That was his last fight. He, he delivered a beautiful head kick knockout, and he takes on very strong Lear Latifi. Lear Latifi is like a he's a fucking like a bit like a fucking fire hose. Like he's a, he's like thick. Lear Latifi is a thick motherfucker. Like he is thick as fuck, he is strong as fuck, and he will—he—he is the type of guy to to beat the fuck out of you. He—he—he's coming off of a win over Tyson Pedro, and he overwhelmed Tyson Pedro with just his pressure and his wrestling. He has phenomenal wrestling, so I feel that he can use his wrestling. Obviously, Ovin St. Prue has a wrestling background as well, so it's gonna be like a wrestler versus a wrestler. I don't necessarily know if this is gonna be a striking matchup, but after that, I mean, I mean. 
Aaliyah has been knocked out before. I mean, look at that freaking missile from Ryan Bader that Ryan Bader landed on him. And I think his last fight in, um, I think, no, his second to last fight inside the octagon. But he blew Aaliyah Latifi. Aaliyah Latifi looked like he got freaking blown up like a fucking, like a fucking bomb went off in the octagon. I mean, Ryan Bader threw that knee from hell and he fucked Aaliyah Latifi up in that fight. That was fucking brutal. That was fucking nasty. That was probably still one of the most nastiest knockouts that I've probably ever seen. I got to go back and watch that after I'm done with the podcast. That was fucking nasty. He, he knocked him the fuck out with that one. So he can be knocked out, and I don't know necessarily if he will be knocked out, but Open St. Prue has the KO power. He knocked out Shogun freaking uh, with a leaping left, I think it was a leaping left left or right hook down in Brazil. So Open St. Prue, a lot of people have necessarily forgot about his power. He has had some lackluster fights. He hasn't looked the best. He looks like he's taking time off, or he could have. I mean, he, he lost a very close fight to Vulcan Ozdemir. You know, if there's certain fights I feel like he pushes the pedal and he looks good and he's motivated to be in there. Like I said, it's a motivation thing. And there's fights where it looks like he just takes time off in the fight. Like he, he's not as active as he could be. And hence, that's why potentially a couple fights didn't go his decision, go his way. You know, potentially that was the only fight I felt that he really took off. But you just never know with some of these guys. So, like I said, that's a great fight. I can't wait for that one. One I've been waiting for for quite some time. Mike Perry versus Max Griffin. These guys have been chomping at the bit to fight each other. I mean, been from from posting memes on their own social media to having interviews, and you know, it, it, it's kind of like a playful thing. You know, Mike Perry brings that playful kind of like I hate you kind of mentality into like I hate you, but you know, he he he's riled up. He's always he's always coming to those fights riled up, filled with energy, and he always comes to fight every single time. He has crazy power in his hands. This is a, a battle of two rising up and coming contenders, and this is this is definitely is one of those fights to to look out for in the 170 pound division like i was saying there is no clear-cut number one contender in the 170 pound division and um definitely definitely is a fun fight definitely is a fight for the fans and definitely is something that a lot of us have been waiting to see anytime mike perry steps in the octagon it's an entertaining fight for anybody so mike perry versus uh, mac max griffin should be an entertaining one i cannot wait for that fight that should be a great one Hendon Burrell versus returns against Brian Boom Boom Kelleher. Hendon Burrell now doing his training camps at American Top Team. But what I miss mostly about Hendon Burrell has to be his flashiness, his, his unorthodox kicks, his unorthodox style. Because, like, when I first started to watch Hendon Burrell, he was so unorthodox. He took so many risks. And that's what I was saying. Like, I missed that version of Hendon Burrell. Now I feel like he's a lot more... I mean, he's patient. He still looks good and stuff. But he's not as nearly as flashy. Ne necessarily could be because of the TJ Dillashaw fight. And he was compromised, severely compromised in that fight. He was severely beaten down in both of those fights. And he looked... He, he, he looked like... He looked like he was... Like, after... My God, um, he looked severely compromised in both those fights, and he was severely beaten both times in those fights. So, so for him, definitely, 
I, I would like to see him revert back to his old ways now being a little bit careful and as time goes by you've got to evolve with the game so with Hennon you can't constantly take risks like that constantly you know he was beaten by Jeremy Stevens as well he's a huge power puncher so it's like Hennon's a lot more careful he's a lot more tentative and he seemed a lot he seems like a lot more hesitant so when you're hesitant in a fight, for people that don't know, if you don't know what hesitant means, being hesitant in in your in your fights can cause for you not to be as active. You won't throw as much strikes. Damn, uh, you won't throw that much strikes. You're not going to be as active. You're you're not going to fight as good as you normally would fight because you're hesitant. Being hesitant slows you down. It, it stops you from doing things you normally would be doing because you're just, you, you just aren't moving. So I missed the o o unorthodox, basically the whole unorthodox that Hennenborough brings to the table and his creative flashy kicks, his flying knees, everything, his fast hands, his, his all his punches, everything. Hennenborough is an excellent guy. He's, a, he's an excellent fighter. Now, it's only a matter of time if Kelleher can stop everything that that Hennon Brown brings to the table because he is definitely getting some great training in. He is training at one of the best gyms in the world, if not the best gym in the world in the American top team. That's one of my top favorite gyms of all time, MMA gyms. And um, that definitely should pose, that definitely should pose uh, a huge problem for for Kelleher if he can't hang in with the best in the form of Hen and Burrow. So obviously Hen and Burrow is still one of the best of all time. What he did, of, uh, he was a former champion. It's kind of like his reign ended really, it ended fast, but it's like a lot of people don't remember. Like a lot of people don't talk about uh, the dominance of Hen and Burrow. You know, I was like, oh my God, who can be, he's one of those guys that I had said, who can beat this guy? Who can be the one to beat this guy? Because there's very few people that I've said that about. Like Mighty Mouse, for example. Who the hell can beat Demetrius Johnson? Who in the hell can beat John Jones? There's a lot of people out there that I feel that I don't know who can beat them. And when that person does come, definitely I will be very like, oh my God. I'll be very thankful and just, you know, when it happens, it happens. So that's that's all that matters for that. But um, anyways, guys, um, that is all the time we have today. Because my fucking shit's going to die. My phone's going to die. And like I said, I've used my phone for the podcast because cast, uh, what is not cast box? That's, that's from the podcast app I do use though to listen to my favorite podcast. But um, Anchor, Anchor Radio, I use that for the podcast because it's mobile. You can be any fucking where on the planet. You can be on fucking top of a skyscraper and do a podcast. So just being, you can be anywhere, you can go anywhere, and just depending on where you're at, depending on what you're doing, you just can have a good podcast. That's what I like to do, just bring a podcast with me everywhere I go. And if I have a good podcast, I have a good podcast. If I don't, I don't. If I do, I do. I always have good ones though. So that's the only thing that matters. And um, so like I said, it's great to be back. I enjoyed you guys. We had a great show, and we should be back later this week for segments. Episode 9, I think. Episode, it was episode 9 or 8. No, we just finished episode 8, but episode 9 of segments later on this week, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you guys for joining us here on this episode, spectacular episode of the G Meeker MMA Show, episode 138. You know where to find me at G Meeker underscore MMA on Snapchat if you have Snapchat at gmeekermma on instagram facebook.com slash gabybaby123 and also follow me on twitter at gmeekermma we'll be back 
next week for the next episode of the G Meeker Rame Show. We'll be back later this week for segments, but later on next week we'll be back to recap Stevens versus Emmett. G Meeker MMA out, baby. Thanks to Anchor Radio and thanks to Castbox. It's my favorite podcast app. All right, bye.